0: Hello, and welcome to Humanities Matter, brought to you by Brill. I'm Lee Chung Greco, and this week we'll be looking at key issues in the field of humanities. Today we're speaking with Henrik Edgren, he's Associate Professor at the University of Uppsala, Sweden, and Merita Rus, Professor of History at the University of Southeastern Norway. Their article is Exploring Textbooks and Cultural Change in Nordic Education from 1536 to 2020. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. And we have three other editors that contributed to this piece as well, if you'd like to introduce them.
1: Yes, I could do that. Um, It's Kjellar Sparge, who is a professor at the University of Oslo in Norway, And it's Christina Mathisen, who is an associate professor at Copenhagen University in Denmark. And it's Perio Hidma, who is a professor at Helsinki University in Finland. And they were not, unfortunately, not able to be present with us today. So we are, Henrik and I are representing the editorial team.
0: Well, excited to still have the conversation today with the two of you. Uh, First off, tell us, what's the aim of this volume? Why did you track the history of textbooks all the way back to the 16th century for this piece?
2: Well, I could could start. uh, As you said, the overall objective of the book is to highlight in Sweden, Denmark, Norway, and Finland how textbooks reflect national cultural politics and legislation from the 16th century up until today. And, and you know why we, we start so early as the, the 16th century is, is due to the, the introduction of the, the Reformation, not only in the Nordic country, countries, countries but all over in Europe. And this had a major significance for, not only for, for how the church and religion was organized, but also for, for how, how education was organized in, in different perspectives.
1: Yeah, I can I can continue with uh with some some comments on that, and it's perfectly right what, what uh, Henrik is uh, saying. But it's also important to to uh, take notice that the Nordic countries are very often mentioned together, and um, we are kind of tracing their common roots back to the Reformation because the Reformation and the Nordic countries took on a on a different color, or a different, um, or different aspects in the Nordic countries than in Western Europe. So um, our aim is to, to 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 trace a line from the Reformation and up to today. And it's of course the Reformation and the Church is has uh, have a, a great significance in this history
2: yeah i think i think also it's important to stress uh, why we are i mean why we are looking looking into the the nordic countries and that is in our case sweden denmark norway and finland there is a a, a major a major common historical heritage of course but there are also some some important differences between the countries and in, in that way uh, it's quite interesting and constructive to to, to look into the uniquenesses of, of, of every country as well as, as similarities. So this is why this this region is is so interesting to to have as as the the, the research research object. So so to. Speak.
1: So I might comment upon that again, uh, and it's also important for us to show non Nordic readers that. It is like Henrik says that there are differences between the Nordic countries because uh, many think of the Nordic countries as a a united union or a united region. So uh, it's important for us to, to show both the similarities as well as the differences.
0: Yeah, and that leads me into my next question, which, what was the effect of the Reformation on education? You mentioned that it differed so much from the West, um, but I'd also like you to touch on how it had a different effect in each Nordic country, because, as you mentioned, it's not all just one block that we seem to lump it into.
1: Well, I can start with that question, uh, with that question, because... Um, This must be seen in the complex in light of the complex history of the Nordic region, because Norway and Denmark was one country from the late uh, 13th century and until 1814. Um, The Reformation had a different impact on Denmark, Norway than what it had in Sweden. But what is common uh, to the to the countries is that um, um, that. uh, it had a great impact on reading and reading skills and 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 writing skills.
0: So really fascinating effect. Then uh, you focused on three main questions in your article here. You asked, to what extent is governmental control reflected in your material? To what extent is participation from the public reflected in your material? And then who are represented? And the contents and didactics of the empirical material. What do each of these questions illustrate about Nordic society and education?
2: Well, I could I could perhaps start with the first with the first uh, perspective about about government control and how that is reflected in, in, in historical textbook materials. I would say that uh, you know, as I said, from the, from the the 16th century, uh, there was really an intention of control from from first of, of course from the church and then also from the state to in the meaning that they really decided and and, and control the contents of the textbooks that so the contents should, should really uh, be uh, be of the right uh, they should they should teach uh, all the, all the people in the society how they should should, should act and, and what were the important values and and uh, in a matter of also controlling the the population of these states, so so, I mean the government control is 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 really is really important. I would say, from from the beginning until the uh, at least the, the 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 middle half of the of the of the twentieth century, and then of course this has changed. It has been variations, but government control is 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 really crucial from the beginning. I would say
1: yeah and that leads us to the representation um um keyword because um um the representation can be say, uh, seen uh, as a parallel to the to the control keyword because in the in the beginning um right after the refer, um the the reformation, um who is represented in the textbook is is in fact, the church and the theology, and the, and uh, the main the main goal for um, for the textbook editors and the school system is to um, educate people into being believers and into being Christians and good good moral citizens. And when you um, when you go towards our own time in the Enlightenment, um, there's more, and the books are more and more increasingly more secularized. And um, um, the, the, the independent and individual human are rep- is represented in a much more clear way uh, the longer you turn toward our own time. So, um, so I, I will say that... Um, uh, the representation is slowly; um, it's, it's going as in a slow progress from from being uh, represented by the church and increasingly uh, to to uh, secularized and and to the humans. Yeah, and I, I would like I would like to add
2: there that Miretti is of course totally right when, when she's stressing the importance of the church uh, in in the sixteenth, seventeenth, eighth, and eighteenth century and it's also important to to say that in the in the 19th century especially from especially from the 1850s the the state uh, i mean yeah. the state of sweden the state of state of, of denmark the state of so on and so forth they got more involved in, in not only in 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 textbooks but in 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 financing and in organizing schools and, in, and they, the states got also more involved in in you know taking control of, over the whole society so, so the state involved itself uh, in many other areas as well and you can see this also when we look into the when we look into the textbooks and how the state uh progressively is, is more and more interested in in, in, in so to speak governing the, the the contents of the of the books and financing the contents of the books and, and paying authors to write these these, these textbooks uh, which were spread all over the all over the countries to, to all pupils uh, going in the, in the elementary schools and so on and so forth. So, so the state really put put enormous resources in in, in writing these and publishing mm. and financing these textbooks. And this this is this is a, an important shift compared to how it was before that. I would say.
1: So, yeah, and it's it's also, if I may comment on that, it's also very strongly related to, to uh, the development of the national states, because um around 1850s, uh, 50, as Henrik says, um the state takes over the control over the textbooks, and uh, but it's it's it also has an educational project to teach the um teach the individuals to become good. Uh, citizens within the national state and and um, from this moment you can also see that that the different textbooks um, um, function as nation building um, tools if I could say so. Yeah and uh, to put it to put it simply
2: you could say that uh, in the 19th century there is a shift from if you look in if you look in a general way, on the content, on the contents of the textbooks, you can see that in the beginning of the nineteenth century, there is this old tradition of of of, of uh, teaching subjects who sh- who really should be having focus just to obey authorities, obey the king, obey the church, obey God, obey God, and so on and so forth. But uh, the longer we come into the into the nineteenth century, there there is more of a teaching of of citizens with 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 you know. Mm-hmm. More, more, um, more of a national way of looking into things. So they should be more scholarized in 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 how to to live in a uh, in a constitutional society. Uh, they should be more taking more responsibility over over their lives. It was more of a kind of individualistic view of uh, of the person. So, so I mean, th- this is a major historical. Changed in the, I mean, all over the, all over Europe in the in the nineteenth century. But it's interesting that you can also see this, uh, noted in, in, in the contents of, of the textbook during this uh, during these hundred hundred years, I would say. Hmm.
0: You mentioned those different shifts. You have the shift during the Enlightenment when uh, textbooks became more secular, and then you have that shift again in the 1850s when you said that government uh, gained control over textbooks more. I'm wondering, though, again, as you noted before, uh, Nordic countries are not this one block. So I'm wondering how each of those shifts Played out differently in each country. If you can touch on that at all,
2: uh, I would say that that if you, if you look into this aspect, if you look into how the how the state took more responsibility and how the state was, was more involved in in, in schools and in, in in textbooks and in the contents of textbooks, I would say it's 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 quite similar in the Nordic countries as well as as in other European countries. In the same time, if you look at what happened in, in in prussia uh, i mean if you look at what happened in france if you look at what happened in 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 the uk you had the same kind of uk was a little little bit later but but anyhow you see the same kind of development so this is this is really i mean this shift from from the second half of the 19th century where the uh the the state got more involved in, in in school systems and took more responsibility i would say this is a very interesting and 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 international uh, atmosphere.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with Henrik on this uh, topic. And I think that these changes must be seen in in, an international context and uh, and um, that uh, the differences are more on. um, Well, perhaps more in the more in the 20th century, you will see differences and and um, because uh, these changes uh, can be seen in light of um, multinational impulses, uh, with with uh, secularization, with uh, with um, um, with big historical um, events or, or or revolutions that uh, that goes through throughout Europe. So I think that uh, Henrik is perfectly right in mentioning that or in, in saying that uh, this is um this is an, an Incident, or this is a fact that we don't see much differences between the between the Nordic countries. It it can really be seen in the context of international impulses. But, but
2: on the other hand, if you look into the con- if you talk about nationalists, for instance, in this in this area, and a nationalist, the ideology of nationalists, where where. You know, there is there is this big big effort of building building imagining imagining communities. That's the word of Benedict Anderson, where, where all the all the people in one country should learn their, their own importance of their own history, their own, their own language, you know, their their most important writers and their geography and the, the wonderfulness of everything that was in, in, in Sweden and Norway and Finland and so on and so forth. You know, this is a general development But if you look into how how nationalism I mean was was used in, in, in these countries, there are of course differences. If you look at Norway uh, and compare it to Sweden for instance, Norway and Sweden was, was in a union in this time and and the Norwegian nationalist was very much focused on on, on you know to, to make Norway to become an independent country and an independent state. Uh, so in that sense, the liberals the liberal parties in norway they 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 use nationalism as, as a tool to uh, to, to have arguments to to getting rid of the, the the union with sweden in sweden on the other hand national, nationalism was used in a more conservative way where where the aim was to so to speak keep norway in the in the union so so here we have of course Major major differences in how how nationalism was used and the contents of nationalism between between the different countries. And in, in Denmark, on the other hand, we have the uh, kind of uh, classical and conflict with with the southern states of Denmark, with Schleswig and Holstein, where is, there is this conflict between kind of German influenced yeah. nationalists from from Prussia uh, conflicting with with the da- Danish nationalists. So, so here we have of course differences as well but, but in general i mean the overall uh, development was 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 very similar in, in the Nordic countries I, would
1: say. I just want to say that um, the differences should be seen in the context of the of the history of the countries and um, and um, um, because there has been a tension between the Nordic countries regarding uh, political history and um, uh, as uh, Henrik Olson mentions um, Denmark and Schleswig-Holstein and uh, and and the union between Norway and Sweden which lasted from 1814 to 1905 and and so there are differences but but in the way you asked about the similarities are stronger than the differences And
0: that all really answers my last question, uh, which was, you know, talking about the growth of nationalism in the 19th and early 20th century and how that was reflected in textbooks. I am curious, though, the way that you describe nationalism as reflected in the textbooks, it seems uh, more positive. It seems like learning authors and and sort of taking pride in one's country versus Uh, the more negative connotations that we now associate with nationalism. Uh, So I'm wondering if you can talk about that at all. Were there other shades to this sort of nationalism that was coming up? No, it's
1: a
2: very important question. Of course, in... in in many perspective, there was there was this, this this positive way of of describing the I mean the your own culture, your own language, your your uh, the wonderful history with, with with the the heroic kings and adventurers and and great authors and so on and so forth. But this this I mean in 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 these countries there there were also other other ethnic groups that were not really included in this this. Nationalistic narrative, so to speak. For instance, in in, in both Sweden and Norway, we have the, uh, I mean, the indigenous people living in the north called the the Sami Sami people. They were not included in this this uh, construction of the imagined community of the Swedish and Norwegian nation at all. So, so yes, obviously there were, there was this, uh, as we see today, it was so, some groups were of course. Uh, included but other groups ethnic groups were not included and and uh i mean so, so here we have the same kind of kind of uh, uh, contents of, of, of the nationalism as 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 we have today
1: i think there is a very thin line between uh the negative and the positive uh, side because uh on the positive side and the nationalistic uh, aspect tries to include Include or to to strengthen the national feeling, but at the same time, the strengthening of national feeling involves or includes that some of, of the nation's group like the indigenous um, life, the Sami population, uh, is not uh, included in 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 this in this um, in this concept at all. So I think I think that that there were a thin line between the positive and negative. The sides should be underlined there. I think it's also re-
2: important to remember how how nationalists, not only in the Nordic countries, but but everywhere, as perhaps they also in, in, in many many countries of the world, were used as a way of building loyalties to I mean to the to the power. So this was a way of of. Uh, uh, saying to the people living in the state that we have many things in common we, we have a proud history we have a wonderful language uh, and you are included in that and this means also that you have to be loyal to to, to i mean to the government and to the people who are, who are governing the country so you have this this aspect of power uh uh all the nationalism and how it was used not at least how it was used that is that is very crucial and important to remember when we when we are discussing I mean, the major, the huge impact of nationalism during Mm. during this time of European and and, and especially European history, I would say, in the second half of the the nineteenth century. Henrik
0: and Merita, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: Henrik Edgren, he's associate professor at the University of Uppsala, Sweden, and Merita Rus, she's professor of history at the University of Southeastern Norway. Their article is Exploring Textbooks and Cultural Exchange in Nordic Education from 1536 to 2020. You are listening to the Humanities Matter podcast. You can find more podcast episodes on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcast.